Okay. Hi, welcome to Breaking Free Podcast, a body, mind, spirit approach to mental health. I'm your host, Summer Sites, and I'm excited to have back Emily Baker again today for part two of our Divine Union podcast. We sure laid out a lot last, Emily, about your story and about the dance between the divine feminine and masculine in this process of rising, especially the rise of the divine feminine that we're seeing um, playing out in many systems right now. Uh, a lot of people have called this the year of the mother or just, I've seen it with men as well. They're rising into their gifts and their, their ability to go within and have more intuition. Um, but today I think we're going to talk a little bit more about what does this look like on a practical level? Like how do you apply this story to your life? And so I'm going to go ahead and turn over the time to Emily. I think she's been doing this. This is what she does every day. And I, that's why I had her on was just so we could talk about that. Um, and maybe as I talk about some of my growth in that together with her, she can kind of coach me along on where I've been, where I'm going. And I think that'll help you guys as well. So thank you, Emily, for being with us today. Yeah, you bet. Thanks for having me back. I'm excited. Yeah. So, so tell me about, so we've got the beginning of your model. We talked about is this divine departure. Is that right? I heard you right. Mm -hmm. What are some of the things that you see for individuals as they move into their divine departure? What are some of those patterns or oofahs, I guess, that they run into? Totally. Um, so one of the biggest ones is like a consumption of knowledge, just like you can't get enough. It's almost like uh, the munchies, right? Just it's this unquenchable desire for information because the divine departure usually starts with a desire awakening, right? You're there's some new thing out there. You're no longer satisfied with where you are. And so you want all the information possible about what is this place? Where is it? Can I find it? What's going on? Right. Think of, you know, you could even think of like a child who just found out they were adopted, right? Who's my parents? Where do they live? Where do they come from? What's happening? Right. That, yes. that insatiable feeling. Um, and this is often can get labeled by other people as you've become obsessive <laughs> and this like negative thing. And they use that as the way to say you are doing something bad or wrong because you've become all consumed in this new perspective and it's taking over your life. That's part of the point of the divine departure is to really get you soaking up and thinking so that you'll be prepared for the energy clash, which is the next stage where you start asking questions and really digesting all of that stuff you just intook. Um, and so it's very natural to have this desire to just soak in as much information as you can. Um, but people can get stuck there too, because then it's fun and it can be like, well, I don't know it all. I don't know it all. I need to know more. And so they will get stuck kind of cycling and spinning their wheels. Like who's the next person? What's the next book? What's the next podcast? Like, I don't have enough. I don't feel comfortable yet. You're not going to feel comfortable. You're not going to feel like you know it all until you get to the end of the cycle. And so there comes this point where usually burnout happens first of like, okay, I just can't take in another thing, even though I want to. And that will naturally move you into the next step but you can come at it from a conscious awareness phase of like okay I got what I needed I'm ready to move on to the next piece but that's more of an awareness that we're not really taught to um, prioritize or even recognize really this is awesome because I think this is where I come in and the work I've done with like coaching women is teaching mindfulness and awareness practices and so I was telling Emily before this that I have been on this journey for a while. I would call myself an early riser. And so I've gone through this process several times and I'll share towards the end what's come of that for me and why I am so excited for more and more people to be called on this journey because you do kind of, like you said, you level out and you um, you realize that you're not so alone. So I'm so excited to see more tangibility to this journey that I've been on because uh, it can feel very lonely. So that's what I wanted to bring up to the group. In the beginning, when you go on this journey, uh, especially those of you who've gone on it, you know, like I started feeling these things like maybe 10 years ago, I, I felt like there weren't very many people who were even talking about these types of things that felt very all kind of all alone. Um, just like you, I, I learned from everywhere I could find it, but the information felt very obscure. Um, but I think there's a, there's two problems. Like if it's obscure, then it's, it, it takes a little slower to get to it, right? You're having kind of really search through, comb through to find it. So that was kind of where I was at. But the other aspect is that 
you have a harder time trusting it because you're like, well, if not many people are seeing this, then maybe I'm crazy. Maybe there's something wrong with me that I'm seeing these things. Um, so that was, that was interesting, right? How to learn to have confidence in your walk with God. Uh, but somebody gave me advice for this stage at that time that I wanted to share was the idea of, it's like being in a river with water rushing in your face. I, I think I read it in a book, but it's what rushing in your face. And so the idea was to turn your back on the river in the river information, right? And just let whatever comes right in front of you as you have your back to the river and then just grab that thing. And so I've always taught that to my clients. Like it's good. You're going to have a rush of information. You're going to have a rush. Sometimes your ego does that, right? Your mind is like rushing things at you. It's overwhelming you in your body, mind, or you're feeling very overwhelmed. And so just take a step back and be like, what's most important or what do I need to do right now? And just do that one thing. And that one thing, one thing, one thing, one thing really helped me get through this stage. What do you think? Absolutely. That's a beautiful analogy to use. I love that. Yeah. So just kind of the, I call it one mindful. It's a skill, but just one thing and then the next thing and the next thing. So if they do that and they well, keep, go ahead, please. Emily. No, you're good. I was just going to say, we talked a little bit too about a really great parallel for this whole process yeah, yeah. Um, is Hansel and Gretel, right? Mm -hmm. Because we want to arrive at the place and that's usually that awakening that occurs that first initial desire is I'm unsettled with where I am right now. And that can be positively driven, negatively driven, internal, external, right? Sometimes it comes from within us. Sometimes something happens in our life that kind of pushes us into this experience. Um, but regardless of how, where that originates from, that dissonance that pops up is like, okay, I just want to be somewhere new where it's comfortable because I was comfortable a second ago and can I please get there right now? And recognizing you have to actually go on this journey. You're not being called back into a single place. You're being called on that journey and it doesn't come all at once. It comes in those breadcrumb moments. And so the sooner you can relax into that, start looking at it that way, looking for what are those single things? What am I supposed to focus on right now? Not look to the right, not look to the left, not look at what other people are doing because your path is going to be different than others. You're going to be able to move through the whole process so much easier. Those of us who kind of went through it the first time, like even summer, we're on different levels here, but still that first time through when you have no cognitive awareness of what's happening, it is so disorienting because you don't know what to pick up. You don't know what to grab. You don't know what to focus on. And so if there's one thing I can tell people in the beginning, it's just practice that skill. What is in front of me right now that feels like needs my time and attention? And I'm going to give it to that. And when it feels like that's ended, I'm not going to try and force it. I'm not going to try and force anything, right? This is a spontaneous process. You don't have to manufacture it. You just need to relax into it and you'll be taken where you need to go. Yeah. And I brought my spiritual understanding to it a lot too. I would always say to myself, God is the author and finisher of my faith. That was something I would say to myself a lot during that stage and recognizing that I wasn't actually, my point was not to necessarily be the director of my life, but to be a receiver of like, what does God want to accomplish through me? Right. Where am I going? Um, recognizing that I could, I didn't even know where I was going. Right. Cause I'd never been there and, and I had to have guides. Um, so uh, learning to trust um, whatever the divine right is for you, right. Whatever it is, the source of your intuition, I think became very, important. And I love your don't look left or don't look right here because it, to me, that was not necessarily looking to be externally validated by the people in my life who, you know, weren't, weren't, weren't on this journey yet or didn't see the importance of it. It wasn't for them. It was for me. And so I had to learn to ask, not ask directions from people um, that had never been where I was going and really like let God bring people into my life who already had been there. And that's what happened. There's always a few people on your path um, there, but I found that they're not the masses. Like I didn't have the masses going where I was going, right. I didn't feel like I was fitting in with the crowd in any way. This is the unique path. Um, one of my favorite poems I talk about with my clients all the time is Robert Frost, right. A path, the path not taken. <laughs> and it hangs in my office in my clinical office, but because it is a path that's not taken because it's your path, it's a unique path for you and only you. So I think that um, it's going to be a path not yet taken because it's your path. So I, I you know, kind of learning that 
process of letting go of external validation, I think can start even as here in the stage. Uh, and, and what does that feel like? Cause it creates a lot of insecurity, a lot of insecurity yeah. and instability. Don't you think? It totally does. Um, especially I talk about in my deeper work, which I do, which we're not going to dive in here. There are other ways you can hear more about that if you want, but the first time we go through this process is the most difficult because let me rephrase that because we're always going through this process. We're just not always consciously aware we're going through it. So the first time you are consciously aware that you're going through this process is the most difficult because you're learning to take what you're seeing, what you're feeling, what you're thinking, what you're experiencing and like piece it all together. It's like riding a bike for the first time. You might've seen other people. You didn't register. You were riding a bike. You suddenly become conscious of it. Right. And it's like, holy crap, where do I put my hands? Where do I put my feet? I don't know how to balance anymore. Like all everything you thought you knew, just that's why we crashed and tipped the bike over. Right. That's very much what the experience is. Right. Every time you go through a cycle, you even described yourself somewhere of like the first time I went through this, the second time, right. It starts to get a little bit easier because a couple of reasons. One, you have a reference point of, oh yeah, I remember when I was here before. But two, it's not just that you have a reference point. You made it through the cycle and you were consciously aware you made it through. So you begin to trust yourself more and more. So every time you complete a cycle, it's like, oh, I can relax a little bit better. Like, yeah, this does continue to work. It wasn't a one-time fluke that this happened. Like I can keep living my life this way. It's going to be okay. So I'd always tell my clients and different people, like the first time is the hardest (laughs) because you haven't consciously completed it. You don't know if you can trust it. It just gets easier from there. And for me, I had a similar thing, sticky note that was constantly with me. And it was a random thing that popped up on the internet. And I was like, oh, I needed that. And it was my child, you worry too much. I've got this. And then it was like signed God. And that just became my motto because your brain doesn't know where you're going. It wants to attach to something. There's nothing for it to attach yet. That first time through is creating the blueprint for it to attach to. And that's what will make it easier going forward. So 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Soothing your brain, soothe your mind. Wait, because we have to have experience. Our brain always wants to go to the familiar experience, right? Just from a brain research. Even if the familiar isn't going anywhere, even if the familiar is very clearly not healthy for us, right? Even if the familiar, we we have become uncomfortable there, it's still familiar, right? And so I think it's the brain sees unfamiliarity as threatening. And so in the beginning, we have to just breathe. I love that you bring in awareness, right? If people don't practice mindfulness, this would be a great time to start learning how to, to do that, right. To be aware to, um, I have a lot of skills on my, um, my end of that. If people are interested, they can go to uh, my, my, my information. Cause I teach that, but I do think there's a lot of beautiful presence work, right? Like you can, how to stay in the present, how to stay present in your body, how to stay safe in your body, be aware of the dysregulation, but not necessarily like let it wash you downstream. And I think this is this stage for most of my clients and for myself uh, as well. So yeah. beautiful. So they, sure. so they hit the this. Better you can... oh, go ahead, please. No, you're good. I was just going to say the better you get at that in the first stage, the easier the next stage is going to be right. because the energy clash is like amping up what just happened to a new level. And that's often the place where people are like, oh, here's the evidence that I'm off, that I'm on the wrong path, that I did something wrong, that I shouldn't be doing this because all hell is breaking loose. And what did I do? <laughs> like, right. I should have stayed in the house. I should never come to the woods. Like, this was a bad mistake. That's actually part of the process. Um, that first stage, the divine departure having a safe space to start explore is really important. Hearing other people's stories, right? It gives you that your brain, something to attach to. It has an experience that somebody else has. I can trust them. I can start doing this. Once we get to the energy class stage, it is now you having to start experiencing it and internalizing it and it becomes more visceral. And so the better you've been at those mindfulness practices, the easier time you're going to have navigating the energy class stage and regulating your body. Because if we were to take an energetic perspective here, you have old energy that it's like 
I describe it as old telephone things, you know, where you have to plug it in to connect people. You see the like switchboards that people would work at. Well, you're plugged into this old way of being. And when you go on a divine departure, you get unplugged from that. That's why it feels very disorienting, ungrounded, right? Because you just got unplugged. And the whole process of this journey is learning to plug into a new set energy base. And so the energy clash is where that's starting to tip and more and more of your energy is becoming based in the new instead of in the old energy. And that's what creates this amplification on the negativity, on the negative emotions, on the experience and the discomfort, because you're literally carrying two different energies within you at one time. And that's where we're like, crap, I want to go back to the old, or can this please be over? And I want to be in the new. And the thing I would say is this phase is all about creating polarity. That's a really important thing. Even when we look at the fundamentals of physics and like electricity and how we have to have this concentration or um, concentration gradient of electrons that flows through a wire, right? It's this shift in the positive and negative charges that allows electricity to move through. It's the same idea here. We have to have this polarity come up in order to create this momentum to pull us forward. If we don't have that polarity, it's like a blob trying to shift and move to new places and it takes so much effort and so much more energy input in order to move it. But when we have this polarity and this gradient developed, it becomes a spontaneous thing and it will naturally pull you there. So when you're in this phase, this is where you're going to see um, shifting in a lot of your relationships, right? Some people are gonna be more anchored in the old and you're not gonna feel as connected with them. Some people are going to be more in that same experience as you. They've shifted into the new energy there where you are or beyond, and you're going to gravitate more towards them. That can feel like a very mourning process. There's this fear of like, I'm going to lose these relationships. I don't know if we're going to survive. I don't know if we're going to be able to move forward together. This can happen with parents, with a spouse, with children, um, friends, right? And it can be really hard to know how do we stay in relationship while we're navigating this experience where we're no longer sharing the same base set point. It's shifted here. Mm -hmm. uh, and just recognizing that that's part of the process and that's part of what's going on, that can be helpful. Because then when you're in that moment and they're responding differently than you, it allows you to practice some of those mindfulness tips, right? breathe get back into your body relax ground yourself and can you focus on compassion compassion for you and compassion for them we're both feeling a shift here they're concerned i'm unsure we're trying to navigate this together it's okay nothing's gone wrong we're moving through this process the best we can trying to figure out how to you know stand on a raft in these raging waters right it's <laughs> I think yeah, anyone has been married more than what, even a year, right? Yeah. In my case, 20, almost 20, well, 20, almost 22 years, you go through this many, many times in the sense that you grow and develop. I'm a hundred percent not the same person today. I'm mean, so different than today than I was the day I got married. Right. And my husband as well. And I think you, you, you make space for this growth process for each other right and that does one person's growth growth pushes another person's growth and that's beautiful but I do think oh my goodness I have hundreds of examples of conversations in fact <laughs> people want to listen to my we rise together podcast I did with my husband a couple years ago you can find that I talk about that but there were times when we were holding space for each other while the other person didn't see what they didn't see and loving each other. And like you said, having that empathy. Um, and that was both of us like at different times based on wherever we were in the journey. So I do think you can still continue to rise together, but I think you're right. There's a space for, it's okay that you don't see it the way that I see it. And I love you anyways. It's like, this is your journey and it's not mine. And I think codependence breaks down here. So if you're very codependent with someone and you feel like I need you, I'm dependent on you, not I choose you, but I need you, like you complete me, kind of that old space. In this place, you start to realize I want to be on the journey with you, but I'm my own unique person and you're your own unique person. 
you, you even start to see your parents as unique people. Like they're not just there to provide for all your needs and, and you start to see their struggles and as unique people, like as adult, you know, now adult children, right. Of parents. So I think there's a lot of growth that happens here. Um, and letting go of the victim and moving into that co-creator um, for people who already understand that drama triangle concept. So just bringing in some stuff from like psychology that I know that maybe you already know, um, that's what this is happening, right? You're moving out of the victim, you're moving into the yep. co-creator um, in this stage. Exactly. Don't you think? Yep. Okay. For awesome. sure. Um, yeah. And this is where a lot of that healing work happens too. Um, when I describe this model sometimes as the five energetic steps of growth and expansion, and this, the energy clash corresponds to what I call the purification, which mm. is basically anything that no longer resonates or is serving towards who you are becoming or where you are going is going to come up at this point. This is where you're going to get triggered. It's like, happening for you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, that's what I, I like to describe it as it's like you've got a wound on your arm and you're not aware of it until somebody comes and touches it. And when they touch it, we want to react and blame the other person and say, quit touching me. That hurts when you touch me. When in actuality, that touch is a really beautiful gift because it lets you know where you have a wound and you have the opportunity to heal it. And once it's healed, anybody can touch you there and it's not going to bother you because you don't have that wound there. So this phase is also very much about that. What are the things we don't see that are not going to serve us anymore, that we need to let go of those beliefs, those thought patterns, those insecurities, those habits, so many layers of that. And so we go through the energy clash a lot. It can often last for a long period of time because you're going through these cycles of attempting to rise and realizing, oh, nope, I've got a wound. I got to fix on that. Can I heal? Can I rise now? Nope, I got another one here. And that can become really, really discouraging for people because yeah. they sit there and go, I keep trying to move forward. I keep trying to progress and I can't, like I keep getting halted. And to recognize as difficult as that is, like there's so many times where I was like, can I please just be done with this? I'm so ready to be done with this, <laughs> right? But that it's part of the process. And I'll say if there's another theme throughout this entire thing, it's you cannot do this alone. <laughs> you need support. You need other people like who can help hold that space for you, who can guide you through it, who can comfort you, right? Friends, community, people, like, we're not meant to go through this alone. I'm so glad you said that because I was just thinking about how even as a therapist and a trauma therapist to boot, each time I got, I had some major clashes where I went and like sought other professionals to say, Hey, I just need a mirror of myself right now. Like, I know this is my work to do, but I'm feeling a lot of anger outside of me or I'm feeling really disoriented and I just need a mirror and I need some professional tools and and it honestly, it wasn't hours and hours. It was just like, okay, getting my grounding, clearing the work for some, it's deeper than others, depending on what you have there. And the other thing I would say is it's okay. If it takes a while, you're talking about a lifespan, right? It's, it's okay. If it takes some of, some of these pieces took years, years for me. And, 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 and you know what, it was worth it <laughs> on the other side. Like, I'm glad I took the years and did it. Yep. So my relationships with my children are different now. I've, you know, there's patterns I of origin, family of origin that I don't have, all of the new moms are going to run into all of those things, right? As you try to rise and you try to parent maybe in a different way than you were parented, your brain has to learn a new pattern. It has to actually learn a new pattern. So energy clashes also happen with just intentions to be a more whole parent than maybe you were parented or um, to, to, to interact with your husband in a different way than your parents interacted. I think these are classic energy clashes that we run into. Um, but we didn't know there were energy clashes until today. So thank you, Emily. Right. right. They're showing us ourselves like mirrors. You are welcome. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, yes, exactly. So tell me about fact, that be one of the best. No, go ahead, please, please. I'm going to throw on real quick because you brought up mirrors. This is one of the concepts I use. Yeah, a lot right. of people will talk about because um, I think this will be a really tangible one that people can yeah, utilize um, is we talk a little bit more in like the mental emotional health world of people being mirrors to us reflecting back things that we see in ourselves but we don't always take it as far as we can which mm -hmm. is that literally if you are in relationship with somebody 
um, energetically speaking. So that, you know, could be a parent, child, spouse, um, or you're part of an organization or a culture or just whatever, right? You're a tribe. Um, you have whatever you are feeling or wanting is exactly the same thing the other person you're in relationship wants and is feeling. And this was the hardest thing, but helped so much with me and my husband, because I would sit there and I'd be like, ah, you know, we're having like the same old argument. And sometimes they're like, knock down, blow out, drag them out, really intense arguments. And when I was trying to calm myself down in the middle and move forward, I would feel so stuck because it's like, he doesn't get it. He doesn't get this thing and why he's wrong and why I'm right, right? And right. obviously he's thinking the same thing on the other side, but the piece of it that would help me is I would get back to him and be like, okay, get rid of the flavor. What is the root thing I'm not feeling? I'm not feeling seen. I'm not feeling understood. I'm not feeling heard. And if I could identify what that root thing was and then return it to him, it shifted so much because he was wanting the exact same thing. And it took a lot of practice and it obviously got easier as our communication skills and just general relationship evolved and grew. But it became this place where what that does is even though you may not necessarily agree on all the specifics or the details or the topic per se, that flavors, I like to call it, you can find that commonality in between. You have this point that's the same, you're united, and you tap into that, you offer it to the other person, they almost always lower their guard, and it becomes so much easier to navigate through it. So that mirror effect, taking it to the next level and finding that thing you share in common is like one of the secrets of the energy clash. It will save you so much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in therapy world, they call this strength-based counseling. So for those of you who are interested in figuring out more about that, go look at that, right? But uh, just where do you find the common strengths or common values, right? And you, I do that all the time with couples that are fighting. Okay, you have a common value. You both, you both value being listened to or you both value your children. You have a completely different idea of how they're supposed to be raised, but you love your children, you know what I mean? Or... Yeah. Um, you both value faith, but you're having different perspectives on how faith plays out. Actually, believe it or not, you have more in common than you know. So I think there's, there's, there's all of that. So that's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. And I think that what I, I like to bring in this podcast today is a tangibility that most people are doing all these things all the time. They just don't realize what they're doing. So hopefully that you'll start to see this. Exactly. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. So pimpling, maybe. I thought that was a yeah. very interesting concept and title, actually, when you brought that up. So let's talk about that. It's really fun. <laughs> yeah, so my husband um, helped me create the graphical design of this model. I had an image just come to my mind one night, yeah. and I woke up and was like, oh my gosh, this describes it so well. And he mapped it out for me. And as we were describing it, it looks like a pimple, which mm -hmm. um, if you look at some of my pictures and things, we have this like build up of the feminine. It's moving upward and incline, you know, kind of like you're going up a mountain. And instead of reaching the peak and leveling out, we drop off early. And that drop off looks like a pimple. <laughs> and so that's what I've described as pimpling. It's basically what I say is a failure to rise. Um, you're not fully stepping into that risen experience. And the interesting thing is the pimple is actually just another energy clash. Um, in the way I draw it out, the bottom axis is time. And so we're always moving forward. We can't go backwards. And usually that's one of the common reasons why we pimple or don't fully rise is because we don't want to go forward into the new and the unknown. We're trying to figure out how to get back to where we once were, but there is no going backward. There is only going forward. And so when we attempt to do that, instead of entering the next progressive st stage, which is rising, we drop back into the energy clash and this I like to describe it as a positive thing rather than a negative one because we tend to view it as that failure and we get down on ourselves and something went wrong and why did they do this and why did this happen to me and like why me right that becomes a big common thing here that doesn't serve you well though because you have to have trust and faith in order to rise and the longer you keep that story running the harder it is to get the desire to move back up so i really like to describe this as a pimple is simply saying 
you don't have enough clarity yet in order to be able to complete the rise. That clarity comes through building up enough of the energy clash. And so this can happen when we try to skip through the energy clash phase really quickly and we wanna just like move forward to the rise and we get there and then we realize, oh crap, I don't have all the tools or I don't have everything I need or I'm not, I haven't strengthened my time here yet. And so really learning to be able to sit in the discomfort to see the wisdom of the energy clash actually helps allow you to rise instead of pimple. But in either case, we either spend that time in the energy clash stage or we spend it in the pseudo energy clash stage, which is the pimple. In either case, we're gonna have to go through it. You can just choose which way you want to do it. And the pimple is a more traumatic experience because it feels like we are prohibited from our growth. Whereas when we're in the energy clash stage consciously or aware, we can say there's a purpose to this and it's leading me towards something and I'm gonna let it be all that it needs to be. And I'm going to move forward as I feel moved to do so rather than I'm running away from something and trying to escape it. If that's the mentality you're coming from, the odds that you have the strength and clarity to sustain a full rise are a lot lower. Doesn't mean it can't happen. <laughs> People have done it, but it's much more difficult and the odds of you pimpling go up a lot. Yeah, and I think I, I think there's some essence of shadow work happening here, right? When people are doing what they call Carl Jung called shadow work. Although I think shadow work can be very intentional. Like I'm moving into something and I'm accepting it, I'm teasing it out, I'm letting things go, kind of like we talked about before. But I think a lot of times when people do their shadow work, at least what I see is it gets very painful and they start to use what I call shame shells. They'll disassociate, you know, they'll move away, they'll move toward, they'll go back. I'm gonna try to please the past. Maybe I'll be able to fit in back there. Or they get angry, right? They get really angry. Um, but what I really see for women truly is they shut down and isolate themselves a lot in this stage. Uh, they shut down and isolate because they don't want to be reminded of where the, the beautiful place that they once were going to, that they don't feel like they either deserve or they, they can get there. And so they'll just kind of just shut down for a period of time. And and um, I feel like that's kind of like you're pointing out to me though, that's creating that, what you I think you called it the um, polarity, right? So that because the pain of living in that gets, let's be real, bigger than the pain of getting out of it, the perceived pain. Because the truth is it feels very good to release, right? It does in general, right? And even with yep. pimple, but but I think, yep. but they but they perceive that the pain of releasing it will be greater than the pain of staying where they're at, I think generally in this yep. state, don't you think? And in fact, that's why when we're unconsciously going through this process, um, we usually have to hit rock bottom before <laughs> things get better is because you create so much, you had this positive momentum. It's going upward, right? We're moving up the mountain, but because we're not aware of that, we get stuck in the illusion of the energy clash. We think something has gone wrong. Then we drop into a pimple. Well, now we've got this negative momentum going and because it just builds this resistance that gets more and more and more that we have to like, let it hit the bottom crash before we have enough ability or um, motivation, desire, right? To try rising again, because fighting that negative downward energy is really difficult, um, especially on your own. In fact, sometimes even when I'm counseling somebody or navigating self-coaching myself, right? I will say, oh, this is something we just got to let crash and burn, right? The mm -hmm. energy required to drop is less than the energy to fight and go back up. And that becomes a beautiful thing when you can start learning to navigate that is really relief is a positive thing, right? What is the thing that relieves you? If it means I need to step away from this for a while, that's okay. That's actually giving you the ability later to revisit it. Um, and so tapping into, again, letting your, how you feel guide this process becomes a key piece of that because even from a biological standpoint, your nervous system knows what it's ready for and what is too much for you right now. Mm -hmm. And so a part of this experience is removing that re resistance, creating space for you to be able to receive going forward. But if we've got a lot of active resistance, that's going to take some time to clean up first. I think this brings out a good point too, in that a lot of people think 
they, they should never quit anything or let anything go. It's like, no, you can't ever let anything go. And I think you're bringing out the, I just was seeing some other uh, Instagram, I think talk about this recently, but just the idea that like, there's a difference between, you know, giving up on something or quitting and, and making a choice to, like you said, just like release it, let it go. It's not serving. The energy is not with it. It's not moving forward. I'm actually letting that go. It's I'm, and I'm going to see what else then comes up once I've let it go. So that's not the same as quitting or not following through. That's actually very intentional. I think for people. Exactly. Yeah. I describe it as if you're feeling frustration, that's an indicator that energy is not there for whatever you're trying to do. So stop trying to force it, get the energy in the right space first. If you're feeling overwhelmed, that means the energy is there and you're not keeping up with it. Mm-hmm. And that's a different thing. That's where we want to, you know, sit down, pause, make a plan and then run with it. So there's two different phases there and those can kind of go to extremes but they're common feelings so if you're feeling one of those two things that can be a way to navigate do I need to slow down or speed up I love that beautiful so let's say we get the momentum we we do the rise and what if I remember correctly then we one of the energy clashes which I think we'll probably do our last bit of time here was with the masculine right and so we had talked about maybe finishing up with this how do we dance in a more effective way with the masculine energy and that's an energy within ourselves, but also, um, you know, people in our lives and they can, they could technically be masculine men in our lives. Right. But, but it's not necessarily about that, but how do we dance with that in a way that's more effective? Because I think we've talked a little bit about it, how we've, we've had discussions with our own husbands, right. We've done this dance a little bit. Maybe we could give some help to some people who are in this dance right now with people that are really important to them, systems that are important to them. Yeah, for sure. Um, One of the biggest things is recognizing that a rise is not actually a singular experience. Mm -hmm. The decision to rise is. And so there's a decision point and that's halfway through. And that's when we shift from the energy clash into the next stage, which is the rising that occurs. But the actual rise is more of a calibration or a building phase. We don't just make the decision and then boom, everything shifts and it's there. We make the decision and now we have to go through the process of creating it, calibrating to this new sense of being. How do we show up this way? How do I talk from this way? And that's a completely different experience. And part of what makes it so difficult is in a relationship, especially like with a spouse, You were just in the energy clash stage and the energy clash and the building part of the rise look very similar to each other. They are this split between the two different energies, the old and the new, the masculine and feminine. And so both of you often have this experience of like, we're still in the energy clash. We don't realize that the rise has taken place. And so there's this lack of trust and there's this lack of like all the horrible things we went through. I do not want to go through that again. I feel like you're behaving the same way and it creates this dissonance because inside we know we made the decision to rise. We have risen. Things are not the same, but we're still in conversation or discussion or action as if they are the same. And so just having that conversation of like something has changed, but I haven't learned how to show up this way yet. Right. So this could even be parenting. You know, I have a new way that I want to go about approaching how I'm going to parent my children but I've never done that before. I've made the decision. I'm going to try and do this differently, but I need to practice. Oh yeah. Okay. This time I'm going to do that. And then I'm going to take note. Like it's a whole process we have to go through and we repeatedly have to do it. Right. Like the first time we, um, like one of the silly ones I always bring up is my husband wanted me to put my loofah not on the shower head but on the water spigot because he hated when he'd go to take a shower and like it was in the way and all annoying. And that was my habit was to put it there. And so to break that habit, you know, first I have to recognize, ah, crap, I put it up on the shower again. And I have to repeat that a couple of different times. And then I remember, oh, I'm supposed to move it. But then I just do, oh, crap, I'm supposed to move it. Oh, crap, I'm supposed to move it. Oh, crap, I'm supposed to move it. I have to do that a couple of times. And then it gets to, oh, crap, I'm supposed to move it. And I actually move it. And then I go back to, oh, crap, I'm supposed to move it. Oh, crap, I'm supposed to move it. I actually move it, right? And I have to, you have to go through that process. So there's these layers of the building, of the calibration, of the strengthening, right? I say it's putting in those reps. You don't just do this overnight. It's a process. It's a practice of 
what was off? What do I need to remember differently? What do I need to shift into? How do I grow into this? It's not a one-off experience and we often want it to be, or we fail to recognize just how small those things are, right? How many times was I just describing shifts that were taking place, but none of them were external yet. They were just my thought process, right? Oh crap. And then, oh crap, I'm supposed to move that. Half of the process was internal with nothing changing on the external. From my husband's perspective, I wasn't trying, I wasn't doing anything different. I didn't care. Nothing was changing, right? But I knew I'm trying, I'm trying to do this. I know, I'm sorry, right? And so recognizing there's that internal piece that has to shift. And this is why in my process, I talk about we have to reprogram the mind, we have to reprogram the body, we have to get the body to learn to believe, we have to get the mind to learn to believe, we have to get them both to learn to trust. And once you go through that whole process, that's when it's what we call a new habit at this point, because you don't have to think about it and your body, you don't have to tell it to do it. They both know what the new system is that we're operating under. And this applies to conversation scripts, the way you feel confident showing up in at the work meeting or at church, you know, with whatever, right? It's physical, it's intangible, it's both experiences, but that habit comes after we've worked through all the different layers. So just really being patient and recognizing that rise is a shift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and just again, just bringing back to the concept of that's a very mindful life right there, right? The way you just describe that is, is being mindful and I hope compassionate with yourself. Like, no, I am doing the work. This, this is happening. There's, I, I always, you know, I just did a post on this. There's no such thing as failure. There's just learning. I'm learning. I'm learning. And so at least with my more important relationships, I did have to crash quite a bit to kind of go, that was painful. What did I learn from that? Okay. That was painful. What did I learn from that? To eventually get enough momentum, I think to say, okay, now I think I got it. Try that out. Wasn't perfect. Try it again. And eventually it would become more smooth sailing. And yeah, a lot of them, I don't have to think about anymore. They're just in, in place. Over years, sometimes months, if you're lucky. <laughs> For sure. But um, so so let's say people go through this process. And, and I love that you bring it up. I'm still going through this process. Emily's still going through this process. I talked with her today about how every shift, major shift in my life, I've, I've done this process. And I realized that now. And that's really cool to see what the process is and kind of know where I'm at maybe in the next one. Um, what do, what, what do you think? I I've got my ideas on this, but what do you think were the main takeaways from understanding this process for you to kind of help? Why is it worth it? I guess is what we're looking at. Cause this is a lot of intentionality for people to do this type of work oh, for sure. Right. To get coaches, to become mindful. I personally could, I, I can't even imagine having more joy than having gone on this process. Like I think it's increased my joy, but I, I won't say it was easy. I would say it was worth it. Um, but what do you think, Emily? Why why has this process been worth it to you to learn these things? Yeah, so there's two things that come to mind. The first is I have another version of the model. I won't go into it detail here, but I just want to give you an image of instead of kind of this rise going up the mountain imagery, it's climbing a ladder and you're always at the top of your ladder. And God or the divine is always adding new rungs to your ladder, but you can't see where those are. So the rise is all about learning to reach up and grab a hold of it before you're aware that it's there. But the thing that is my big takeaway is really learning to embrace the duality in being a master and a student, because you are always simultaneously the master of how far up the ladder you are. And you can teach to people who don't have their ladder built up as high as you do, but you are always also simultaneously the student at the bottom of the ladder that God is creating for you above. And really leaning into and learning to get comfortable with that was a big piece for me because I always wanted to be there, arriving, right? (laughs) I finally made it. And you get there and then it's like, "Ah, crap, I'm not here yet, (laughs) right? And it's like, when am I going to be? And I guess that's really the biggest takeaway for me is learning that there's a reason we have the saying to find joy in the journey because it's not about the destination. There will never be a there. Even in this model, it cycles endlessly without beginning, without end. It's always just there for us. And so 
in the beginning, it's kind of like Hansel and Gretel and you're like, where's my next breadcrumb? Where's my next breadcrumb? Like, ah, and it's like three feet in front, three inches in front of you, like barely there. And it's the size of a baseball, you know? But as you start going on this process and you learn to get comfortable with it, it becomes fun. Like it is, I cannot even begin to describe the caliber of life fulfillment that unlocks for you. It becomes like the greatest grounded high you have ever (laughs) experienced. Just there is so much joy and pleasure in every aspect of your life in just being alive you feel fully alive you have more energy you have more joy you have more time you have more presence you have more of everything because it's an expansive process and so instead of being afraid and like you start trusting the breadcrumbs are always going to be there and so you're not waking up anymore of like is there going to be a breadcrumb today am I going to be able to find it am I going into the woods is the witch going to eat me like instead you wake up and you're like okay where did the breadcrumb get put today is it in the top of the tree is it at the bottom of the river I will go wherever it needs to go it's an easter egg hunt I'm here for the fun of it I'm showing up it's this beautiful magical like magic is truly the best word to describe it the right people come in your life at the right time the right opportunities the right conversations the right insights like I just can't even put into words the transformation of the experience if safety and the comfort of your old home is cozy and warm and wonderful this is like all of that and more right you're not ever actually leaving anything behind you're not losing anything you're only adding to what you already have and that's probably the greatest illusion of the entire process is that in order to receive more we have to lose the good that we already have you never lose any of the good it may transform it may take different shapes and varieties you may leave behind parts of yourself that don't align or were wounded but the good always expands always magnifies always adds on and so whatever you think you have in your life that's good now 10 times that easy those were all of the very similar points I would have made. So I would say just, just ditto. I mean, really that's very, you know, uh, cliche of me to say ditto, but I would say that here for most of them. The only thing I would add is that um, for me, the miracle, the miracle of, of change happens in the present moment. And so what this allowed for me was to finally find myself in the present because I, I was so much of a perfectionist, always looking for the, like you said, the fix, the future thing, um, the thing that was always too far away, you know, outside of me. And this process allowed me to, to recognize life was a gift right now and joy was in the present and how to get into the present how to really like be with God, walk with God in the present. And like you said, feel, what is it? What are we going to do today, God? Let's do it. Like, let's see what we're going to do today. Emil and I, even in preparing this podcast, we were amazed at timing, how things timed out, like exactly for our conversation, we, we delayed it so we could do it now. And it was today, right? And it's just so beautiful to constantly see that we are not alone. We are not, we have this beautiful, we're part of a beautiful orchestra, you know, that is life. Yeah. And also the connections of other with others. Like I see the oneness between what Emily's doing, what I'm doing, what other people are doing and how we're all one big team. So it takes away that competition energy, that sense of scarcity and not enoughness. You just realize that you're enough right where you are, right where you're at. And isn't it beautiful right where you're at? Even if it's pimple, (laughs) like it's beautiful right where you're at. Right. And so I love that. So thank you so much for creating this model. Again, going on intuition journey, learning how to like listen within, trust the process. That's what I did as well. And just, um, and then, and again, teacher and student in the same breath. That's something I often say to myself too. I was thinking that this morning, what, what am I learning right now so that I can teach? Um, and what have I already learned, right? You know, so that I can continue putting more structure around that for other people. So I think we're all doing that. Every one of us has something to share. Every one of us has something that we've learned. And every one of us has stuff that we haven't learned yet. I think that's just part of life and the growth process. So 
Um, any last thoughts, Emily, before we go about, because I know you, you're creating some beautiful programs. I'm hoping to partner with you. We'll talk about that another day because we definitely have some things to do together. But what is it that you're doing right now for people in this present moment if they're wanting to continue putting some bones around this? Yeah, you bet. Um, so right now I'm actually getting ready to launch a three-month program that is taking you in-depth into this model. You're going to become knowing it inside, up, down, backwards to just really internalize it and know how to apply it and um, feel it. It's all about that rising feminine because as Summer and I were talking about, you know, this used to be kind of a scarcity thing mm -hmm. and we're starting to see that shift happening that this is becoming the norm recognizing this journey recognizing our path so learning to step into that lean into that and so I feel like a big part of my role was to create this model to give us a guide map and to get it into as many hands of people as I can so that we can all make that shift better and learn how to live in this life experience to know how to walk through the different seasons of life um, so depending on when this airs um, which I think is soon. If I'm wrong, we'll probably put it up soon. Yeah. Yep. Within this week or so we'll get it up. Cool. Yeah. So beginning of April here, if you're listening, um, that's when I am going to be opening up the rising feminine is the program. So it's all about how do you rise when you're in that feminine role, but we'll be talking about how to connect with the masculine, how to navigate the energy clash, all the different pieces we've discussed here. Um, and if you're listening in the future, I imagine this being a running lifelong program. So feel free to circle back and connect and see if there's new programs opening up. So Yeah, and I have every intention to, to do some of this with you in a, a retreat setting, because I think that getting people together in group settings and especially couples doing this work uh, is something we've been talking about. So it's just a beautiful, we'll just see what happens, but stay tuned, right? Stay tuned Definitely. to the different mediums that we are in and and, um, and see who you feel to go to, right? If Emily feels like where you're at in the path right now, I, what I always tell my clients, because they can get attached to me and need to rise past me as well. I say, look, I was your teacher for a while. I don't feel bad. You, you, don't, oh, you don't need to stay with me, right? Like we're, we're on a path until we're not. And then there's time for us to find new teachers and new mediums because we're always expanding. And, and I think that's part of the journey. So Emily feels like that person. That's awesome. And, and go ahead and, and connect with her. So thanks so much for being with us today and we'll talk to you soon.